Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Now, I know we, were, uh, we said we were going to position ourselves as non-Brexit, but we are doing a wee bit of Europe this week, a little bit of Brexit. It's the joke about Brexit. I've got a joke about Brexit, and I've got a German joke. People say Germans are. Most... I don't know whether you can tell German jokes. <laughs> well, it's not. A, it's not a joke where we're having a go. This is a joke by a German. Oh, a joke by, by a, German. a German, and it's nothing to do with uh, Europe particularly. But there was, <laughs> I you going to say it's nothing to do with the Nazis. <laughs> nothing to do with the Nazis. Basically, there was a piece in one of the papers about uh, German humour. You know, because stand-up clubs are getting very big in Germany, and it says here there are some outstanding one-liners. For instance. Stalking is where two people go for a walk together, but only one of them is aware of it, uh, which I rather liked. Mm, and the other, funny. and the other European joke uh, this week. There's a comedian called. I thought I'd tell you this, but maybe not. Uh, there's a comedian called Angela Barnes, and she was doing a bit about how nobody, everybody talks about the EU with absolute authority, but nobody knows anything at all about it. She says. If you know the name of the Euro MP, the MEP, for your region, then you probably are the Euro MP for your region. Yeah, I've heard a lot of those, those, yeah. ty- those where it's like, yeah. if you know the name of your local councillor for the environment, you, you are. are the local, yeah, absolutely. Should we start? Yeah, let's. Yeah, I said I was going to mention Europe a wee bit. And this is a thing about which you may have seen about this Labour councillor uh, who said now he doesn't regret calling Britain a junior partner in World War Two. This is a guy in Bolton. He's a, a Labour councillor. And he said that the belief that Britain stood alone during World War II, uh, he described it as a foundational myth of Leave voters. So what he's saying is he's brought the war into the Brexit debate, which... Right. Is a bit like you know the thing we always say about once you mention the Nazis, you've lost. You, the you lose, and you lose any intelligent debate that's going to happen. Yeah, bringing the war in to which the Leave side have done as well. You know, there's people saying, "Well, we stood up to the Germans during the war. Let's stand up to them now." Yeah, not the same thing. <laughs> no, it's not the same thing at all. Uh, and he's now brought the. He says we won the war because the Americans and the Russians helped us. In the end, we were just junior partners. People have got annoyed about this, obviously. Mm. Bolton West. Conservative MP said he was shocked by the dismissive uh, comments. He said, I was trying to put the debate within a wider context of modern British history uh, and try to explain where I think Britain's position is in the world. It's not so much the fact that he's looking back to the second world, which I think is wrong in, in you know, in the I just don't think it has it. much relevance. No, and what... Uh, That's the, the thing, like... 
Yeah, well, A, it's not true. No, it's not true. There was a period before the Americans joined the war where we did absolutely stand alone. But um, um, we wouldn't have won the war without the Americans being involved, and that's generally what historians believe, that the the tides shifted yes, when we, the Americans got involved. They got involved, and they got involved largely because of speeches that uh, Churchill made yeah. across the Atlantic. He, the Canadians as well. He made a speech yes, in Canada, didn't he? And, he did. Some chickens, some nets. Oh, yeah, some, yeah. Yeah. He said they'll ring us like the necks of chickens. Well, some chicken. Yeah, that's a good speech. It's not so much the fact that they're bringing history into uh, into the Brexit argument, which you know, all right, fair enough. Mm. Uh, it's the fact that there does tend to be tend to be there tends to be a tendency. There tends to be a tendency <laughs> to think it's okay to bring Britain down. Well, you know, I'm a great yeah. royalist and I'm a patriot and all that, and I don't see why on the left they always try and talk Britain down as part of the argument. Yeah, I think there's a danger to patriotism because of the very murky history of Britain. And I think that's partly to do with slavery and colonialism and the the, the problem, the, the times when Britain has been the most patriotic because of its giant empire and in the Victorian era and everyone loved Britain... But that was the time when we were doing the most evil things to people, and that's not okay. To bring, to bring other countries down or other peoples down to promote your own country, that's not the way to be patriotic. But I think that there is a time and a place for patriotism, and and we are a tiny island, and we've done brilliant things as much as we have done horrific things to other humans, which should never have happened. But if you look at the history of colonialism, we weren't the worst colonialists. We weren't the worst, The French but we, were worse, the Belgian were worse. But I, I don't care about that. We did things that were abhorrent. Yeah, but I, I got rather annoyed at this. And I think it's one of the problems with Brexit, that we have got the, you know, the atmosphere is toxic. There was a piece in The Guardian that said, people are trapped in a cycle of anger, disbelief and impotence. Does psychotherapy... Uh, offer a way to understand our current divisions is well, such I think a good problem. Is that this. Brexit is such a symbol for so many other issues? It's become a symbol for class issues and for race issues, and it's just Brexit is so much more than just about Brexit now. And it's about the right and the left. It's about north south divides. It's about it's about all of the stuff. But it's been shoehorned, and it's all been shoehorned into the Brexit debate. And all that stuff is important to debate around, but it's not always for the Brexit debate yeah. and it's not always the most healthy that a debate can be. Well it's not. The, the, the Guardian rather cleverly and I think quite accurately uh, described it as being like divorce. It's a divorce is, is, which is what Brexit is uh, takes a long time because it's serious. Uh, when a family breaks up with this much hostility its members rarely emerge unscathed. That's quite a clever like metaphor. Mm. What's what's the word not metaphor? Alleg- not allegory. What, um, I think metaphor is the word. No, word. no, no. I mean another one there. You, it is a metaphor but when it's a wider metaphor that explains all of the stuff it's called analogy it's quite a good analogy it is quite a good analogy yeah i'll just read you the first paragraph of this it says on what on both sides of what we might term our national trauma there's fury and hurt it hasn't gone away there's fear and a sense of fragility often masked by aggression and even bullying i think there's a there is a lot of bullying going on i had this amazing argument with one of my uh, colleagues at uh, talk radio really Um, yeah just because for being from the north that's what i consider bullying and and, yes (laughs) although you know this north south divide they say a lot of people in the north voted 
leave, but look at Wales. Wales voted leave. A lot of ex-mining towns voted to leave. Yeah, what have they got to lose? Exactly, and that if you've seen... I hate to bring up James Graham again because it sounds a bit like we're obsessed, but the woman, in, in one of the scenes, there's a debate going on. Um, it's like a for market research kind of debate. And there's a woman and she breaks down and it's a really powerful scene and she's saying, like, I'm sick and tired of just feeling rubbish all the time, which is not anything to do with the EU. No. I had something about the war as well. Yes, you had a Churchill thing. Churchill. Hero or white supremacist, generally. Bit, so, of, bit of both. Bit of both, yeah. To... So Ross Greer, who's 25 years old and he's the youngest ever member of the SMP, MSP, whatever. Um, <laughs> and he... <laughs> Member of the Scottish Parliament, MSP. Yeah, and so the, the when it was um, Churchill, the anniversary of Churchill's birth or whatever it was, he tweeted, they tweeted saying, like, the greatest hero um, Britain has ever known. And um, he tweeted, one more time for the people in the back, um, Hitler is a white supremacist and a mass murderer. And he then went on um, Good Morning Britain with Piers Morgan and they had a massive row or whatever. <laughs> And so, did you say Hitler or Churchill? You said Hitler then. Did I? Oh, You're I meant obsessed. Churchill. Um, and he said they had a massive argument about whether Chitler... Chitler? That's Chitler. the two. Ch- um, See, now, Chitler was uh, a terrible combination. It was like a Frankenstein creation. Piers Morgan and Ross Greer had a massive argument about Churchill and whether he was a hero or a white supremacist or, and all that kind of stuff. And Piers Morgan, obviously, was saying... It was basically saying he was the greatest person Britain's ever known. He led us to victory, blah, blah, mm. blah, 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 blah. And he was saying, Ross Greer said, Churchill was a man who declared, in his view, the Aryan race would triumph. He described Indians as a beastly people with a beastly religion. And when a mass famine broke out in India, for which he was significantly to blame, the Bengal famine, he said it was their own fault because they bred like rabbits. He, he described Indians as... This is what Ross Greer said. He, Churchill was a man who described Indians as a beastly people with a beastly religion, which he did do. And there was the, the, the Bengal famine, which is much more complex than he said it was. It wasn't entirely Britain's fault. We were at war at the time and aid was sent, but not everything that we could do was, mm. was done because Churchill, not a massive fan of Indians. And so, a lot of, and so Ross Greer was in a way right about that stuff and so oh my god I can't believe I'm about to say this and Piers Morgan was also right in his own way that that I think it might be that Churchill was a kind of necessary not evil I feel unfair saying he was a necessary evil because I'm not sure no but he was not, certainly was necessary it was necessary for that type of person to be the leader maybe I've not studied Churchill at any kind of great level no but you've really. seen the movie I've not seen it Oh, did you not see The Darkest not seen Hour? It. Is it called The Darkest Hour? The Darkest Hour, yeah. yeah. I've not seen it. But yeah, and I mean, all you have to do is read back his speeches and see how powerful they were and mm. stuff. And the way he was able to I mean, spin things hour, like Dunkirk. Yeah. In The Darkest Hour, he was um, whitewashed a wee bit. And there was lots of, when that movie came out, there was lots of debate as to how good Churchill was. Mm. But the fact remains that he did, he did save yeah. the Western world during the war and then then there was also lots of stuff he did not during the war time no i mean until the second world war he was largely discredited yeah you know that's what i mean there was a lot of people because he was in politics uh way before way before that in fact he changed uh he changed parties parties, yeah so he's not totally without flaws yeah and i think blind glorification of him is 
just as wrong as blind hatred. Alistair Stewart wrote an article for The Scotsman. Mm. Is that, yeah? The Scotsman, he said, looking back with the benefit of today's social development is a pointless exercise in reactionary politics. Mr. Greer tweeting that Churchill is a white supremacist and a mass murderer betrays the opportunity for legitimate criticism in favour of a short-term shock value, Mm. which I think sums it all up. And I think it sums up a lot of modern-day politics. So how much do you know about these YouTube uh, stars? I know we mentioned before Zoella, but apparently the whole of Birmingham ground to a halt at the weekend when 8,000 screaming teenagers greeted the YouTube icon James Charles, who is uh, a genderless makeup star. So basically, have you seen his stuff? I've not watched any of the stuff, but I like know about him and stuff just from seeing him on instagram person all that kind of stuff there was a lot of controversy about a couple of pictures of him so i think he posted a picture of himself like wearing makeup and whatever which he does and that's he's a makeup artist Mm. Um, and then some some guy was like oh he shouldn't be able to he shouldn't be allowed to do this it's absolutely disgusting blah 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 and then he posted a picture of himself wearing makeup but also a wig and the guy was like oh, I would totally f*** him, blah, blah, blah. And someone just screenshot both of them and put them by the side of each other and were like, this is the same person or something like that. And so that was kind of on Twitter a lot. Yeah. I'm not that interested in like makeup and stuff, so I won't watch it. Yeah, apparently these, uh, the people who turned up, it says here, uh, James Charles is a superstar that even most millennials are too old to have heard of. So it's like Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm almost yeah. too old, you know. Well, no, not too old, but... I think that he's 14 to 16 is his bracket. He might be too intelligent, possibly. (laughs) I don't think that's fair. I think that if you appreciate the artistry behind this, like, makeup, it's unbelievable. Yeah, so he's, like... He's 19. It says here, to millions of teenagers from Generation Z, however, that's you. Yeah, but I think I'm too... I think I'm a little old. I think it's more, like, 16. Is it? Uh, He's part of a new generation of male beauty bloggers. Yeah. And said that he wants to create a genderless cosmetics industry. Uh, His fans are mostly girls, but he's also popular with uh, teenage boys as well. Yeah. So that's him. He brought... But anyway, 8,000 people turned out and uh, to the Baldwin Centre. Um, Birmingham was brought to a... I know you're not a big fan of Birmingham, so you'd I don't, I've never been. No. But, never been to Birmingham? No, but you've... Uh, I got calls I've just from decided Birmingham that I University. don't want to go to their university. It doesn't mean <laughs> yeah. I hate the place. They're after you Although, they keep phoning. all the time I get asked, which universities have you applied for? I'll always say Birmingham, and then they go, oh, don't go to Birmingham. Like, I've never, I've not met one person who goes, I really like Birmingham. Yeah. It's unfair, actually, because I, I quite like Birmingham. As we mentioned your university uh, admission, we did uh, throw it open to the public last week, York or Lancaster, and I got quite a few uh, tweets about this. I think that deciding which university you go to based on a Twitter poll or something, though, is probably not the way to go. Well, maybe not. This is Joel Andrew, uh, who says, Hi, guys. Hi, Joel. I'm a long-time listener of your podcast. I'm not one of Martin's cronies. He says um, he was at Leeds University, graduated in 2009, so definitely not my crony generation he says um, Emma and I that's his uh, his lady like your format it's very interesting he says I grew up in Lancaster and still go back there to visit family a few times a year it's a great town 
uh, and were it not too close to home, I'd have probably studied there. The campus is out, so he's almost like the reverse of you. He's yeah, from yeah, Lancaster he's from Gantelaid, but... Um, yeah. The campus is out of town. It's like a small student city. Yeah, that's what everyone... I've not been to visit yet. I am going. Um, and everyone says it's like its own little world. Yeah, he says there's been loads of upgrades since I last went up there. But I remember it being really nice, set in beautiful countryside and with decent bus links into town if you want them. Loads of good bars, he says, and stuff on campus. Great music scene if you're into that. Historic town with a big castle on a hill, which is the only picture you ever see of Lancaster is the castle on the hill. I don't even think I've seen a picture of it. And a giant Victorian park and monument on another hill. Downsides, it rains a lot. And he says, I mean a lot. More Uh, so than here. When I moved to Leeds, I was shocked how dry it was. He's his best. I've never heard that before. Oh, yeah, it's much drier this side of the Pennines. Take it from really? me, because I was brought up in Manchester. Way drier over here than it is over the west side of the Pennines. It comes over the, the, the rain clouds, come up over the lake, just to see if I can remember. This is and such then, crap. <laughs> no, it's not. The, the, the rain clouds come up over the hills, and then they dump the rain on... Uh, Man- That's why Manchester's always so Yeah, wet. Manchester's um, wet. Yeah, well, Lancaster is as well. The, the Lake District is way wetter than anywhere. There's a place called Seaforth or Seascale or something in the Lake District which has the highest rainfall in Britain. So it, it will be wet there. Do you know lake fact? Go on. The Lake District doesn't have any lakes. Why? What's that? It's like you would say, oh, but then you'd be like, Why Lake they Windermere. They're not lakes. officially lakes, they're officially something else. Really? Yeah, I can't remember what they officially are, but mm-hmm. they're officially something else. Well, Google it, ladies and gentlemen. Interestingly, uh, another one from Justin Good says, uh, I have to say, York in the Great York York Lancaster debate. It's like the Wars of the Roses all over again. Yeah. A lot of people catch on to the podcast through hearing an advert for another podcast. Uh But he's... I suppose you have to put me in the crony box because he said, uh, I heard about the podcast while uh, listening to Martin on uh, Hawksby and Jacobs. So he's come from that. This is why we've got... Such a diverse audience. There's such a... There's so many angry sports fans who are just so confused. Yes. And David Sharrett says, um, who has um, emailed us before, says, Hello, Martin and Ruth. Uh, you're now deep into season two. And he says, It's hardly spotted the difference in season one <laughs> and season what? two, which is more or less what you said. Uh, uh, yes, season two was, was a pointless affectation, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. He also says, um, Spellway, Ruth. Please smell... What he says is... Um, no, this is not going to be someone testing me on spellings, is it? It is, because he's described is himself it? as a bit of a... He says, at 40 years old, he says, I'm a bit of a curmudgeon. He says, Ruth, please spell curmudgeon. Oh, God, absolutely no chance. C-U-M. No. Oh. C-U-R, curmudgeon it is. Really. Curmudgeon. Oh. Curmudgeon. So it's like. I wouldn't have got that right anyway. No. I would have done two Gs. Yeah. Thank you very much anyway. indeed for, uh, for that, David. For everybody who emailed, if you do want to email us, no specific question this week, but uh, you might have a view on Churchill and stuff like that. If you do want to email us, it's martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash 
Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So if you're listening for the first time, one of the things we uh, always do is I bring uh, a piece of music from uh, my generation and uh, Ruth brings a piece of music from hers. Mm-hmm. I was rather fascinated by yours. Yeah, I wish you could listen to the whole of the song because I, I think that it's it's one of those songs that is really... Well, it's called Movie. So it's it called, is, Yeah, it's called yeah. Movie and so the beginning is a lot of like speaking. I was just about to say, can you just play like lots of 20 seconds but then you can't do that because that's the, that whole, part. the whole thing. Yeah. But I can play the bit right at the start. So this is how it starts. I'll play a little bit of this. I've just yeah. got about so 12 seconds of this. My cheek brushes against his, smooth on stubble for a moment, and then it's gone. He walks along the platform as if in a dream. Every fibre in me wants to shout and scream, stop, to run across to him and take him in my arms. Yes, it's... It's just, it's, it, yeah, it's almost old-fashioned. Very old-fashioned. Old, yeah. It's like Brief Encounter. They're at, uh, she says, because she talks about the platform. He's on the platform. Yeah, yeah, it's just clever. Yeah, I think. And then, so he's from. So, and then I'll tell you about him, and then we'll listen to the other bit of the song. So he's from South London, mm-hmm. and he's a multi instrumentalist. Mm-hmm. He's called Tom Mish, by the way, and he um, fuses low slung hip hop beats and like disco, and also like jazz. There's a very mm, it's it's jazzy. really jazzy, but also kind of yeah, it's got the hip hopness to it. And he's collaborated with. Um, people like Loyal Karner and Jordan Rakai, who we've heard mm. from, and he's he's done it kind of all on his own. Like he's very much like do it yourself, and he's built his he's built up to a fan base of two point five million monthly wow. listeners on Spotify. It's amazing how um, they do it. See, in the old days, you'd have to uh, play around at clubs and uh, gigs for like, a couple of years to build up. Uh, well, he has been around for a while million. though. He's been making music since God, like two thousand fourteen, probably. Like he's not well, still only five years, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose so. And then I think that his his first full album was in 2015, maybe. And then this one is from 2018, this album called Geography, which the track movie is from. Yeah, 
there is a movie by uh, Tom Mish. I would recommend listening to the whole thing mm. of it. Is there any rap in it? I couldn't. Uh, no, I don't think it. there is. No, not in that one. I think he does do bits of. But again, it's more like the rap that Lyle does, which is more like top speak rap. It's not like it's not like gangster rap or anything right. like that. So yeah. Yeah, anyway, Tom Mish and uh, movie, uh, which sounded quite old-fashioned. I mean, it could have come from any generation. That it didn't. Kind sound... of. I just. I guess it's just like all the sections of it could be from any time, but mm. he kind of puts it all together. Well, knowing that you're not a huge fan of reggae, uh, I haven't chosen reggae oh. for uh, a week or two, but I have this week. This because it started off as a country song. I like the way that virtually any song uh, can be uh, adapted to reggae, and it's one of the great reggae bands. Probably, well, the actual um, one of the first reggae bands, uh, Toots and the Maytals. Listen. All my friends there Pulling on those reeds Young and the mountains Going like a bee The song. This is Country Roads. Take me home. Yeah, no, this gets played all the times in like in like a ironic way, and then it's also like a bit of a meme as well. Where do, is it? Yeah, the Country the, Roads has become like a thing. Is this you a, know like how I played accident? Like you know how the songs from Shrek mm, have become like a thing. Yes, Country Roads is like a thing. It's like a thing. Yeah, but is it the Toots and the Maytals version? It's like a thing, or no. is it John Denver? John yeah. De- See, that was... A, he says, take me home, West Jamaica. Who was that one? That was Toots and the Maytals. No, so the, uh, the original one. The original's John Denver. Yeah, that's uh, the one. That and this said. is the cleverness of reggae, because in John Denver's version, it said, take me home, West Virginia. And they changed it to take me home, West Jamaica. Um, yeah, just, that's, that's... Genius. Yeah, genius. genius. <laughs> but yeah, all right. You, you like that, though? So, no, you're not, I'm prefer, not a fan of reggae. No, okay. I just don't like it that much. Well, the Maytals were formed in the early 1960s and were key figures in popularising reggae music. In fact, they were the first people to use the word reggae. So, they, yeah, they might have invented it. Uh, Toots Hibberts is the lead singer. Uh, his soulful vocal style has been compared to uh, Otis Redding and led him to be named as one of the 100 greatest singers by uh, Rolling Stone magazine. Their 1968 single, Do the Reggae, was the first song to use the word reggae, naming the genre and introducing it to a global audience. See, people, if I asked you who introduced reggae to the world, what would you say? I forgot what you said. Toots and... Well, no, Toots Hibbert. (laughs) No, wait, what was it? It's Toots and the Oh, I'd say... Oh, what would I say if you hadn't taught me anything? Yes. Um, You would say Bob Marley. Bob Marley, yeah. That's what I meant. I almost said Bob Dylan, but that's not the same person. No, it's not the same person at all. I almost... You know what my first thought was? Levi Roots. (laughs) Uh, No, he introduced Reggae Reggae Sauce. Was it called Reggae Reggae? Yeah, I thought it was. But that was the first one to use the word reggae, naming the genre, introducing it to a global audience. Uh, The Maytals were described as sensational, raw and dynamic. And Toots Hibbert was born in 1942, so that would make him 77 now. Still around. He was the youngest of seven children. He grew up singing gospel music in a church choir. You can tell there's a bit of a gospel-y voice there. And um, if you did want to listen to the full songs, then you Mm. can go onto the Spotify, um, Spotify playlist that we've got. You can see the search for Ruthie, me and my dad, and that'll take you straight to the playlist. Or just search Martin and Ruth and you'll find our profile.
Yeah, well worth it to listen to the full uh, Tom Mish, as you say. Because Did you like uh, it? Yeah, well, I thought it was interesting. I, I, I heard the first bit and I thought, what the heck's this? You know, with the... Yeah, um, yeah speaking. At the platform. Sounded like Celia Johnson, which won't mean anything to you, but Celia Johnson was... Doesn't, the, you're right. Uh, she was in Brief Encounter with Trevor Howard. Still, nothing. Old, old movie stars. Let's talk a wee bit about uh, decluttering now. And uh, she's all over the place, Marie Kondo. She's, this is the thing, though, because I knew about Marie Kondo way before mainstream media have got hold of it. Did you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. 100% the life-changing magic of time and stuff. Can I just interject? When you say mainstream media, don't we just mean the... I'm getting fed up with people talking about mainstream media. No, like like newspapers and TV shows. That's what I count as mainstream media. That's the media. Is this just distinguished between social media and... No. Because George George Galloway does a show on talk radio. It drives me mad the whole time. In fact, they they don't just talk about mainstream media. They say MSM. MSM have, uh, have talked about this. And they just mean it's been in a newspaper or it's been... Yeah, but radio. sometimes the you'll so like the James Charles thing. Non-mainstream media have known about James Charles and known how massive a thing James ah, Charles was right. for year for a year or something. Mm. Only now are mainstream media cottoning yeah. on to that. But George Galloway and these people on the left and Trump, they use mainstream media as uh, a form of abuse. If they say mainstream media, well, especially that's, uh, Trump, that's Trump, especially Trump, they do say mainstream. You just, media I just mean like no, like sometimes per- mainstream media will be completely oblivious to stuff that goes on and then we'll act like they've got mm. this fresh new story. Yeah, I think that, that's the thing. Yeah, I think that makes sense the way you use it. Trump uses mainstream media to talk about anything he disagrees with. He, CNN is mainstream media yeah. as far as he's concerned. So I think it's not on some ludicrous right-wing Trump supporting yeah. website. So it is sometimes used as a form of abuse, but your use is more like it. Tell me about the mainstream media. So they're talking about Marie Kondo. So she is You've known about it for ages. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. I'm just saying that it's not like brand new or anything. And I mean, someone's written a book called The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a Shit, which is meant to be really actually quite well-written and stuff, which is surprising. Do you know what I mean? If she's been popular enough for something that she's written to then have a parody version of it, you've got to give her some credit of not being just a new explosion but she's also got a um, a series on Netflix now That's which right, has yeah. made her more popular Tidying and up, I think it's called yeah so she's expanded Conmarie which is the form of like minimalism to organize the world basically her suggestion is to throw away loads and loads of stuff by sorting through your things and then holding something and asking yourself does this item spark joy and if it doesn't then you throw it away but she's also she's become a bit like because she's a bit cuckoo really like she's this woman who talks to a handbag and stuff and she is a bit ridiculous but I think a lot like some of the stuff of living more minimally and not acquiring things at such a fast pace is right but god it's just if you think about something that much stuff that doesn't seem that important the more time you commit to thinking about it the harder it is to reconcile it do you know what I mean in my mind no I don't quite know what you mean so like Maybe like makeup, for example. Hmm. I, Are you trying I'm to trying justify to... the fact that you have got a lot of stuff? Like, I just mean that I think that minimalism is all well and good, but it's not for everyone. And thinking about how to be more minimal all the time is just as unhealthy as having lots of things. Do you know, I had a, a chap on my... Does that make sense? That does make sense. I had a chap on my uh, talk radio show, David Aronovich, very good columnist in The Times, and he was sort of saying the more or less the same thing. Uh, he'd been watching the show on Netflix rather yeah. than reading the book, but he'd been watching the show Tidying Up, and uh, he said that people were using the Conmarie 
methods and everything yeah. to hide their real problems. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he says, take, for example, the attractive young couple whose life has been turned upside down by two demanding toddlers and the husband's need to work a 60-hour week to provide for them. His wife, though she doesn't say it, is crawling up the wall and wondering where on earth her life has gone. And what do they fix upon as their problem? The stuff in their house. Yeah. And at the end, he's still working all hours. She's still exhausted, but the mess has gone. And everyone professes themselves delighted and joyful. So he says it's, to a large extent, nonsense. He doesn't say it's total nonsense, but it's just to a large extent it is nonsense. I think I'm inclined to agree. I, I don't know... And also, I think that it works for some people and it doesn't work for other people. I think some people are naturally minimalistic and I think that some people aren't. And I think that punishing yourself and making yourself feel guilty for not being a certain way is just unhealthy. So, And I I brought up the makeup thing because it makes me think of this and I don't think it's that related, but I think it's it's interesting. Makeup, I think, is a really weird thing. Like, I think it's strange that we put stuff on our face to make ourselves more attractive and only women do it and men do it. Only women... It, mainly women do it, although some some boys do. And yeah, David Bowie. Yeah, and James Charles. But <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean. But and it's and it's a thing that I think is fueled by a patriarchy, and it's fueled by wanting to look better to fit in with a conventional beauty standard. Like I think it's weird, and I think you can spend years of your life examining it and thinking about all the stuff around it and body confidence and feminism, and you can really analyse it, or you can just not spend very much time doing it. And I think you can do a similar thing with clothes and stuff. Just don't think about it too much. In David Aronovich's piece that he wrote in The Times, he more or less said it almost exactly the same as you. He said, well, you know, if you want to do it, uh, do it. Yeah, I think some people it will be really fun for them to do it. Mm. And I think other people it will just stress them out and make them feel guilty. Yeah, anyway, somebody's picked a, 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 somebody who wrote to The Times has picked on a sentence of his. He said, yeah, you know, if you want to do it, do it. Uh, no one has died from uh, decluttering. Uh, brackets unless there's a fallen dvd rack story that i've not heard yet <laughs> and somebody wrote in to say although disputed and not from a dvd rack the french composer charles valentine alcan is said to have died when a bookcase toppled over and fell on him in 1888 at the age of 74 let that be a warning to us all <laughs> meanwhile here's a bit of decluttering that is totally bonkers this is jennifer aniston who I know you're a big fan of and watch regularly in Friends, uh, Jennifer Aniston has employed an interiors therapist. Uh, oh my God. Her, Why um, is the world coming to? Yep. To, quotes, remove all traces of her ex-husband, Justin Theroux, from their $21 million mansion. So that wow. Je- yes, so that Jen can reclaim the space. This is according to a source talking to uh, Grazia magazine. She's performing cleansing rituals and getting rid of anything significant they decided on as a couple. And apparently in in L.A., interior therapy is very popular. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, would you believe? Oh, of course. Inevitably. Oh, did you see? This is not... um, It's just related to Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, So, you know Megan and Wes from Mm. Love Island? So they've split up and Megan, I think she's hilarious, she did this post on her Instagram story saying... It is with hearts full of sadness that we have decided to separate. 
We have been working hard for well under a year, some of it together, some of it separated, to see what might have been possible between us, and we have come to the conclusion that while we love each other very much, we will remain separate. We are, however, and always will be a family, and in many ways we are closer than we have ever been. We are parents first and foremost to one incredibly wonderful hamster, and we ask for his... (laughs) And we ask for his and our space and privacy to respect it at this difficult time. We haven't really conducted our relationship that privately. And we hope that as we consciously uncouple and co-parent, we will be able to continue in this same manner. Love, Megan and Wes, which is an exact copy of um, Gwyneth Paltrow and oh, Chris Martin's it? thing. Um, but instead of they saying, Maybe we haven't, we, and yeah, the, the hamster, and then um, she says, we haven't really conducted our relationship that privately, which I just think is brilliant and it really clever for yes. a Love Island person. It is clever. Anyway. I, I saw it on the Love Island. I saw um, Camilla of Love Island, who does lots of good work. And she's out with somebody else from Love Island. And Who? Gone out. Camilla. Camilla. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah no, Camilla um, and Jamie. Do. They do loads of charity work, That's and they've right. set up a business that is like a charity business and stuff. They're hmm. they're an exception to the rule. They are very yeah. much an exception to the rule. Uh, anyway, Gwyneth Paltrow. Getting back to her, she has a personal shaman who declutters her spiritual space and performs. Wait for it. Vibration. No, I can't. <laughs> she performs vibrational wardrobe decluttering oh for god's sake yeah, get, getting rid of clothes with bad vibes <laughs> so sometimes you've got that's ridiculous yeah, well, oh god did you want to talk about Harvey Weinstein again yes let's talk about Harvey Weinstein again he's, someone has written a play he's still denying everything is he's, he? He's still, yes, he's still saying that he denies the allegations. Really? Mm-hmm. What, where is he? I, I have no idea where he is now. I literally don't know what is going on with him. The, the story's not really about... Like, it's about Harvey Weinstein, but it's not... All right, well, t- you know tell us I mean? the story. I think he's, he's, he's somewhere, and uh, whenever you write about him, you have to say that he is denying the charges. Right, well, someone has written a play about him. Um, actually, David Mamet. Mamet. Oh, David Mamet, yeah. Mm, yeah. Very, very good playwright. He wrote... Yes, he did. I can't remember the title. Oliana. Yeah, so the the play Oliana, we've we've talked briefly about before. We're maybe going to speak about it again. So I've read it. Have you read it? No, I've seen one of his movies. I've seen two of his movies. So he wrote the play called Oliana, and that definitely is by David Mamet, isn't it? I'm not wrong. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, Oliana, and it's about... student and the teacher and there's there's a morally grey interaction that goes on yeah. and he might have abused her and he might not have and the audience at the end is there, there was reports of like when it showed in America of the audience Very standing up and cheering yeah. the, the, the guy who was maybe the abuser but it's just about how people can get hold of stuff and twist it in whatever way they mm. want and whatever but he's written this play and it's going it's going to be called bitter wheat and john malkovich is meant to star in it and it's in it's a play inspired by the disgraced hollywood producer so it's harvey not weinstein. john malkovich playing harvey weinstein because i you know yeah, physic- yeah, yeah it is yeah john malkovich looks quite a lot like harvey weinstein apart from just not chubby he's not chubby well precisely I mean, well i assume so it just says john malkovich is to yeah. star so i assume he would be to yeah. play the, the famous uh, david mamet uh, play which was made into a film was glen gary glen ross i've not seen um, that that's really good but that was about sales you know high pressure sales techniques mm. and the effect it has on the salespeople. right it's really good film but anyway good writer oh, P- pulitzer prize winning but the question is is it too early too for soon this? Too, well i saw someone tweet that was like, we don't need this play. 
I think David Mamet is one of these people that will that controversy, especially with Eliana and all mm. that controversy, will surround him, and that's probably one of the reasons he's doing the doing the play. Yeah. But I think I don't think there's I don't think it's too soon. Although he has going to have to be careful legally because Harvey Weinstein is... Yeah, I mean, it's only inspired, though. That's what he'll right. say. So it's not doesn't mention the name Harvey Weinstein. I don't think don't so. It just says it. inspired. I mean, you would have to... This is the problem. You would have to read the play. I don't know whether this is necessary because I think that Oliana does a lot of the stuff that this will do. You know, it's commenting on the power balance and stuff. But then I would always argue for we should never censor things no I, I and i think that. that yeah if he's writing the play and he's written it or whatever then yes put it on but i think there's a lot of other things that need to be written more than this and i don't think i think it's a similar situation to the the james graham the brexit and uncivil war but i think that that was more necessary to comment on the current situation whereas mm. i don't think that this well, it's is clearly it's something that's on david mamet's mind i mean he's been going yeah. for a long time he, i saw a film of his in i thought he the, might be dead no no he's not he was uh he was born in four I saw a film of his in the 80s called House of Games. He always does make everything quite... You know, he's a controversialist. Really. Yeah, which is also fine. Yeah, yeah. and Glenn Gallagher, and he's a great writer. But I think the reason he's been criticised for this is probably nothing to do with this. It's to do with Oliana, which did annoy a lot of people, a lot of women, basically. I, but all, then I really enjoyed go, the play. Yeah, they'll have a go at anything that David Mamet does. I've noticed, even though you very much ration your television to make sure that uh, you're doing enough work, you have watched a few episodes of Scrubs. And I mentioned this uh, to Johnny, a young lad who sometimes comes in on the show, and he said, oh, yeah, Scrubs, vastly underrated. Oh, so underrated. It's absolutely brilliant. What? Because I'm not... It's hilarious. It's just so funny. It's a... What is it, a dark comedy? No, no, it's just um, a... comedy. comedy. Yeah, hospital comedy. It's like kind of like Friends, I guess. That's like a sitcom. But set in a hospital. Is it funnier than Friends? Yeah, I think so. the 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 humour is much more sophisticated than Friends, and it's much more clever, and it's more like experimental. I just think it's brilliant. Was it from the nineties or early two thousands? Two thousands, I think. And, and now, with you watching Scrubs a lot, before that, your binge watch was Grey's Anatomy, which was another hospital I just like stuff in hospital. Well, I was just thinking. Because uh, I, I used to like Casualty yeah, as well. you did. And I, I remember you, you saying you've watched so many episodes of Call the Midwife, you're pretty confident you could deliver a I baby could, right. in any circumstances. I couldn't deliver a baby under difficult circumstances, I don't think. No? I could deliver a baby. If everything went smoothly, I could deliver it, and I could probably deliver a breach. Yeah. That's how <laughs> I'm confident in saying that. Yeah, and, and having watched Grey's Anatomy and Scrubs, probably various other operations you could perform. Yeah, surgery. Mm. And Seinfeld, we we agree is uh, well, I don't know, it's underrated because everybody think it says is. it's the best sitcom of all time. Yeah, but it's underrated by people that like friends of yours. Do any friends of yours? No, watch they don't Seinfeld? watch it. But also, that it's just because it's not that easily accessible because it's not just. You know, like Friends is on TV all the time. Mm. Seinfeld's not on TV all the time. So all it's not on friends, Netflix or anything. All your friends watch Friends and uh, presumably Big Bang Theory. People don't really watch Big Bang Theory don't that much. Really. It's just so boring. It's I the same joke over and over yes, again. Yes, I know. Yeah. I, I've said this when I've seen you watching it. Sometimes but... like, I'll put it on in the background or whatever, but it's just <laughs> not funny. Just one more thing before we leave the subject of spelling altogether. Having failed on curmudgeon, you'd probably succeed on this at anti-rhinum. Spell oh, anti-rhinum. God, no, 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 because I'm not going to be able to do it. Right. You can A-N-T-I-R-R. I did have an edge. 
H I N U L. Correct. Yeah, okay. Uh, now we know anti rhinum because that, and this is useful for everybody listening because it's a word that. This is what, this is my spell wear word, which was the hardest word ever. I know. Uh, this was amazing. I spelled it totally wrong. Have you got a meme of the week? I do. This I enjoy, but I don't think anyone else will because I think it's quite <laughs> niche because it's mainly just for like language students. So, ah, yes, my favourite foreign language feel. I know what all of those words mean individually, but not together like that. Not to forget its twin. I know roughly what you're saying, <laughs> but what are those words? Plus the secret triplet. I managed to get your drift, but I don't know how to answer you. But I think that might be just a bit niche. No, I don't think it is, I think it is niche. Steve Martin used to do a thing about how he learnt one phrase in French so he could go into a French res- restaurant. It was omelette de fromage, s'il vous plaît. And he'd say that was great until you say omelette de fromage, s'il vous plaît. It was great until the waiter answered you. So he'd say omelette de fromage, s'il vous plaît. And the waiter would say, and he would say, Oui, oui. <laughs> and then, of course, the waiter. What he, a waiter said something on the lines of, "Would you like a cup of uh, blackcurrant juice and to massage my grandmother?" Um, <laughs> you know, etc. Yeah. So, it, I think a lot of people can associate with that. In fact, anybody who's been abroad, probably. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us by email, it's Martin and Ruth Podcast at gmail dot com. And the Spotify playlist is on Spotify and you can just search Martin Ruth or you can search Ruthie me and my dad and both of those you will find the playlist on Hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.